Welcome. This is Bleacher Blums, a sports podcast for baseball fans. Now here's Dave Tuttle and the Astros' master of banter, Blummer. I only have three friends, so. <laughs> That's all you need, man. Keep that circle tight, bro. Hey, but when you're in the bleachers, you invite everybody because this is the one one stadium where we can all sit next to each other and hang out. During this COVID era, the bleachers have been welcome to everybody, and we've actually gotten quite a few people jumping on and hanging out with us. We are greatly appreciative of that. And I tell you what, for St. Arnold's on tap, we have got a boatload of World Series stuff to talk about. Well, it's probably just a couple of things, to be honest with you. Uh, you know, the Dodgers knocked the snow out of Kevin Cash and the Rays. I don't know. There's so many different things you could say right there about Snell being taken out. Justin Turner's got his issues that seem to be taking the forefront instead of the championship talk. Congratulations to the Los Angeles Dodgers, or as we say in Southern California, the Doyers. The Doyers went out there and won their seventh World Series championship, and it has been 32 years. Uh, both Tuttle and I have been alive long enough to uh, remember the 1988 World Series with Kirk Gibson. Actually reminds me, I got a great oh, uh, and Kirk Oral Hershiser, by the way. I mean, Gibson. Oh, yeah. Gibson did what you did in one game, Oral Hershiser. That's why it's so relatable. He was kind of important. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but Oral Oral did do a very good job. I mean, and geez, that, that actually brings into the Snell conversation just because Oral's out there throwing CGs everywhere, and uh, we can't uh, get a guy past the sixth inning in the in the uh, World Series. After we saw Glass now throw 150 pitches in an outing before, so whatever, a lot going on. And I don't know if you've noticed, but if you pick up on my name, if you're watching this on the Social Nostra <laughs> Network, we have some fantasy football updates for you, uh, much to uh, my, my chagrin. Tuttle, you should be in very good spirits. How are you? Yeah, it's funny. Much to your chagrin, and I can't like this <laughs> smile off my face. Yeah, mine's I upside you- down. Yours is right side up. It was my entire season, you know. I, I stink. You're good. Well, yeah, I'm, I'm good. good. You're, you're smart. <laughs> <laughs> I lost. You, know, you won. Yeah, yeah, because you know that's how I am. I'm super emotional. <laughs> I was super high over the last week, and so now I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna play the rest of the season. You know, fantasy football, as we know, my wife calls it Dungeons and Dragons for the uh, <laughs> for the jocks, right? Like, you it know, is. you had guys it's on a bye. You know, you'd made nine transactions this morning alone. Oh, and my gosh. Like, you're just yeah. going after it. And I'm like, I don't know what I should do. And what Full defense do I panic. play? So, yeah. So I don't think you should panic. But, uh, yeah, you know, a, a win's a win. But I guess since we split up, uh, you know, this win this week meant, meant a little bit more. You know, yeah. it was one of I got to do one of those. One like, yeah, there you go. One and that's what matters. So, yeah. Oh, okay, we'll get into that. And, of course, we've got what I'll total say. We've got a little bit of a Blum's Blast. Mine's going to dig into a little bit of the business side because there's some big happenings uh, coming down the road in, in baseball. And I think outside of baseball because baseball is a business. So I want to talk a little bit about that during this COVID era. But we also want to remind everybody that this podcast, Bleacher Blums, as much fun as we're having, we are excited to tell everybody that we do have a title sponsor in World's Strongest Man CBD. Uh, They've done a good job in hooking us up with some product. I know that I have been taking the salves. I actually blew out a calf muscle the other day, and I've been rubbing the heck out of it with the salves and the lotions trying to recover from old man-itis. And it's actually been helping, helping loosen it, loosen it up a little bit, but I've also been taking the tinctures at night and I've actually been doing really good at sleeping, which is one of the other big key when you get a little bit older, that makes it tough, but they have revolutionized the industry with a state of the art extraction processing to ensure the highest quality. And Tuttle, tell me if this sounds familiar when you played, did you guys ever talk about going out and playing the other team and saying, I'm going to out milligram them? <laughs> I we did not say out milligram. If they, if it was, if somebody said we're gonna out milligram them, they were using substances that are uh, probably not, um, yeah, not legal. I guess would be the only other you word. You can say but, that. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Because you're yeah. Right. Yeah. So we would say out milligram. This is totally different, but in a good way because world's man, world's strongest man CBD has actually got the purest and they've got the strongest. They out milligram everybody to get you the best quality product they can. Farm to shelf is what they do. Go to worldstrongestmancbd.com to check out how you can gain performance, recovery, and focus. Tuttle, 
if they're watching this, they already know what they're doing. But if you're new to this podcast, how the heck do they find us, man? Plumber, I'm glad you asked. What I was going to say is, how can they not find us, right? That's what I was right. going to say. We're on all the major platforms. So, you know, you can go to Spotify and your iTunes store, um, you know, Social Noster Network. As you said, if they're already watching our two ugly mugs here going at it, then they know about the Social Noster Network. But the Social Noster Network gives you the opportunity to kind of check out our offices and see how we're podcasting from home these days. But yeah, you can get Bleacher Blums podcasts anywhere that you download podcasts so pretty good pretty we make it easy for anybody that We're wants trying. to listen let's put we it that want way. you to like us that's right like me <laughs> but right. uh no that's cool and you can also go to bleacherblums.com you can check out t-shirts you can check out some of the swag we got you can also check out past episodes uh go to bleacherblums.com and find out more about us so we appreciate Ooh. you being here and we're just gonna dive right into it Tuttle. all right i was just gonna say our campaign shirts are on there as well and uh voting oh, yeah. day is coming up next tuesday Dude. i didn't wear mine today i wore it last week but uh we i could recycle that for next time yeah but, uh, and I, I graduated from y'all university <laughs> just want everybody to know so, so here i am in, in, in y'all's face talking about some World Series. We already mentioned the Dodgers. Congratulations to them. They finally broke through and, and won a World Series. Uh, they did it in relatively, I don't know, I want to say dramatic, but I don't really don't feel it was dramatic until after Snell came out of the game. And I think that's what we're going to probably hit on most is Snell coming out. But that was the seventh World Series championship for the LA Dodger franchise. And it had been 32 years since Oral Hershiser led the Dodgers to a World Series championship in 1988. I just want to get – and they won it in six games. And I just want uh, some thoughts from you, Tuttle, regarding what you saw, how you felt, and maybe just uh, if there's something you want to hit on. Because I know I think the Snell thing is really kind of getting under your skin a little bit, you being yeah. an ex-pitcher. You know, I, I don't know if it's that. I just – you know, the media gets under my skin. And I, I we joke about this oh, on the podcast initially the where it's like – you always kind of raise your hand, like you got a media pass with the Astros, right? But I, I don't count like ex ball players and people in the know as media. But I mean, if we see another article about Justin Turner and, you know, Ian Snell come out of the game, I mean, the Ian Snell thing's a big deal. But Blake, it, oh gosh, why do I say Ian Snell? Who's because Ian we Snell? played during the Ian Snell era. Who's Ian Snell? <laughs> he pitched for the Pittsburgh Pirates back in oh, the day. That's didn't he? why. God. Yeah. I'm and like, he's, he's there's got to be right a reason. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, he, like, I mean, he is, he's lodged right here. Right. He just there. comes creeping out. Yeah, That's better than uh, Ho Chi Minh. So um. <laughs> you're on a streak. There that now go. is a streak. Yeah, Three it's in a, a streak. Row. Three in a row. Anyway, so Blake Snell, um, we're going to talk about that. I will say, I don't know if this makes us soothsayers or fortune tellers, but I think at the beginning of this whole process, before we got out of the COVID um, kind of initial steps of COVID, what the season's going to happen. I did write some notes on that because we've talked about this extensively. We predicted, I predicted, um, oh, that a team like the Dodgers, the Red Sox, would win the World Series this year. Um, <laughs> you know, not so much. Or the Astros or the, uh, yeah. or the Yankees, based on payroll and the sprint, the sprint to the finish line. We did not know Verlander was going to have Tommy John. We didn't know he's going to have other issues. But in all honesty, we picked those teams that had a high mm -hmm. payroll, um, that could only play 60 games. And I think the Dodgers were certainly at the top of our list, number one or number two to win it all. And they basically, you know, finally kind of were up to the task, I guess. So there is no asterisk for me. They were the best team for sure. Um, it wasn't really a dramatic World Series, uh, in my opinion. But I, I think, I guess, ultimately, it would have been interesting to see after a 162 game season as, you know, the the war of attrition, all those type of things. Mm -hmm. But uh but, you know, I mean, I think you're right. The Blake Snell thing is going to be talked about for a long time. But in all honesty, if they lost last night uh, to the Rays, you know, the Dodgers could have won tonight. I mean, this is all kind of like hindsight stuff, uh, you know, Monday morning quarterback. But I think the oh, right yeah. team won, for lack of a better word. And, and <clears throat> I think we predicted they would win not only, you know, 75 games ago, but we also predicted they would win the World Series, you know, a couple of weeks ago. So I don't know if you you feel the same. No, I do. No, that, I think you're exactly right because we did talk about and that was one, that's one of the things is I think in a in a long season it would have come out very similar similarly uh, just because those teams are built for 162 games. But I almost thought you know my initial feeling when I heard there were 60 games this season was the Yankees are going to take it 
just because their offense was so good and Giancarlo Stanton and Aaron Judge can only stay healthy for about 60 to 80 games a year, it feels like. So this was their year to go ahead and just ride the wave of their offense. But we obviously found out that pitching has a little bit to do with this. Playing some good defense has a lot to do with it. And uh, the Rays ended up winning the American League and getting in there. Now, at the same time that the Rays were the best team in the American League by record and the Dodgers were the best team in the National League by record, Dodgers were a better team. I mean, on paper, it was just a matter of was Dave Roberts going to be able to manage the team well enough to get through that? There were a lot of question marks throughout that just on how he was using his bullpen. And these are two teams that have strong ties to the Tampa, Tampa Bay idea of baseball with uh, payrolls being, you know, I mean, obviously the Dodgers have a high payroll, but they still have the mentality of a low payroll team that says, I'm going to go out there and analyze the piss out of this thing and try and figure out to increase my win probability. Now, what I'm going to say is probably going to... Why are they some... similar? Is that Friedman? Yeah, Friedman is yeah. a Tampa Bay yeah. guy. That's and what then, I thought. Uh, yep. You know, everybody left over in Tampa Bay is still a Friedman disciple, I guess, yeah. or, or student. James and Click as well, yeah. James Click, now with the Houston Astros, is the same way. I'm sure we're going to yeah. see a lot of his, you know, Tampa Bay ideas implemented on how to make this team better. But it's also, it's trying to maximize your talent via a, a, an algorithm or via an analytic to get the best out of your ball club. And I think we really saw that create some issues in both bullpens on both sides, because in the past, if you remember, I think it was two, man, it might've been 2017 when Alex Wood came out of a game against the Astros early Astros came back and win 2018. I believe, I believe it was Rich Hill. It was dealing, you know, five, six innings into a game and Roberts came in and take him out. And guess what? Red Sox came storming back and scored four runs. And I think ended up winning that game too. So Dave Roberts has a history of that. And then we see the Blake Snell situation last night after five and a third had given up his second single, not extra base hit, not home run, second single uh, to a Dodger hitter. And immediately out of the uh, out of the uh, dugout comes Kevin Cash. And uh, with all the cameras that are at these games, I mean, we got Blake, Blake Snell up close and personal. You could tell he was not happy with what was going on and I'm trying, you know, you try and imagine yourself in that dugout at the same time. If I'm Blake Snell, obviously I'm pissed because I am absolutely dealing because I'm heading into the part of the order, the top three of the Dodgers batting order against Blake Snell the first two times, 0 for 6, 6 punch outs. So that is where he came out, and I couldn't believe it. I can only imagine what the dugout was thinking or the teammates of Blake Snell. But initial reactions from you, Tuttle, and give me some ideas why or why not yeah. or how stupid this actually was. You know, I, w I wish I had some, you know, I mean, this is like the in insight into the mind of a madman. It's funny because now I, I mentioned. <laughs> yeah, it, I think I, you just I, explained analytics. There you go. That's right. Well, so we started this podcast for a couple of reasons, but I think if you go back all the way, and I don't encourage people to do this because Jeff and I uh, have improved significantly since then, but, you know, like podcast five or 10, we talked about, are you an analytics person? Or are you, you know, old school, like feel watching, mm -hmm. you know, the eyeball test, right? And yeah. you do need to marry both of those. But every year in the World Series, it seems like my eyeball test is telling me one thing. And here's the manager on his way out to the, the mound. And you're like, what is going on? And I think it's funny because, you know, Dave Roberts, you know, up until this point with those two managers had pulled out Kershaw early last year. And we've talked about that extensively. Oh, yeah. But it's like the whichever manager makes the the pitching mistake last is the one we're going to talk about, you know, because I didn't love some of Dave Roberts moves, you know, last night he went and got that guy, um, got, um, Gosselin. Uh, yeah. Gonsolin. Yeah. He got him pretty he quick. He did it later too with Baez. Yeah. Right. So he got Gonsolin and Baez like, really, I was like, what's he doing? And I know there's analytics and, and, you know, you could probably shed some light on this, maybe today's podcast or some other podcast because the media likes to throw this around too. They'll say, Oh, well, you know, the manager has some say so in there, but the, you know, a lot of stuff comes down from upstairs and I just can't picture like Aaron Boone and Dave Roberts and they're getting all this information. Yeah. You get the information, but uh, you know, that'll be a side question. Does a general manager really say you can't use this guy longer than two innings? I mean, I don't think that happens, but if it does, then I would in my press conference say my hands were tied. I got a message from the general Ooh. manager and he, you know, I'm, I'm joking. Uh, you don't Could want to throw imagine? anybody in the bus, Ooh. but I mean, 
Well, they throw it around willy nilly, like, hey, you know, the, yeah. the management has a lot of say so. It's not just the manager. Well, if that's the case, let's put everybody on, you know, on the on the dais after the game and mm-hmm. they can all answer questions because I mean, Kevin Cash, Dave Roberts, both, it was almost like who's gonna make the bigger bullpen mistake, and that's who we're gonna be talking about at the end of this World Series. And certainly last night, taking Blaze out of the game. I'm trying to picture guys I played with. Um, Maddox doesn't have that like badass reputation, but you know, he's bulldog for a reason. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, Smoltz, uh, Roger Clemens, um, you know, back in my day, like Dude, Steve go back, Nolan Ryan, Nolan yeah, Ryan, Nolan, Steve Carlton. Dude, yeah. Nolan Ryan would have punched Kevin Cash in the lip, or he would have said, you're not taking me out. I'm not leaving the rubber. I mean, and, and I'm not blaming Blake Snell. You got to follow the rules, but it's like, yeah, he was upset for the and cameras. He's been in the but, system. Yeah. Yeah, but he, you know, he didn't he handed him the ball. He shook his head, handed him the ball, and then he got upset. I would have mm-hmm. been like, hey, like <laughs> this is, you know, this is the chance. And you already brought this up a little bit. I mean, this is some some actual analytics. We're in a shortened season. You mentioned how many st- starts that Clayton Kershaw had this year. So there's two schools of thought. Well, 13 starts, he's used to making 29, 30, 31 starts. So, I mean, we're not like saving bullets and Blake Snell's gone. It's not like he's got five more starts to make. This is he's it. got the whole offseason. I mean, you've got his buy-in. You could tell by his reaction. You've got his buy-in. Like, throw him till his arm falls off. I mean, <clears throat> absolutely. And, and, you know, 10 punch-outs or 11 punch-outs, two hits. I mean, name uh, – here's another way to frame the question. Name another manager – with a number one starter and a Cy Young award winner out there that would have been allowed to take his guy out of the game. I mean, it just wouldn't happen. It just wouldn't happen. There's no possible way that anybody else comes out of the game. And as you said, maybe it has to do with the system. Maybe they're used to it. Maybe cash had already made up his mind. I, I mean, he obviously had already made up his mind, but I just can't picture another scenario where, you know, I mean, Justin Verlander, what does he do in that situation? There's just no way even AJ Hinch went out there and said, I'm taking you out. What, what does that conversation look like? Cause I'm saying he's not leaving them out. Well, it's interesting because you have to take into the, into account who the pitcher is. I agree with you 100% because if that is Justin Verlander out there, that conversation was had the second he became, became a, an Astro array or whoever he is. And he said, I, you, I am not coming out. I will pitch until my arm falls off literally. And then you can take me out. Now, that being said, if you go back to the 2019 world series in game seven, this is where AJ Hinch took a ton of heat because he took out Zach Greinke in an extremely similar situation. And uh, that's when Will Harris came in and eventually gave up a home run to Howie Kendrick. Now I've spoken, I, I have access to managers. I've talked to plenty of managers and I've talked to managers I've played with. I've listened to their conversations. Now, all that being said, the one common theme that I've heard, if a guy goes out there, in a, and this is this has a little bit to do with analytics and a, and a lot not, but they have always gone out there, and I believe this is probably more important during a playoff game than it is a regular season game. If I'm going out there to take out Blake Snell, let's just take that situation because the guy they brought in, not good. The only reason I go out there to get that pitcher is because at that given moment, the guy in the bullpen's better. Every manager I've talked to has said, if I'm going out to get that guy, it's because the guy in the bullpen's better. If the guy on the mound is better than my guy in the bullpen, guess who I'm staying with? Yeah. And I think that's a good philosophy. I mean, that's that's analytics and eyeball tests. And I think, you, you know, have the guy, to. You, you have, have to. to see it. That's right. And the guy they you, brought in you can has watch been the lights swings. out. Watch the swings that were taken off him. You're right. He was lights out. You have to take into the number of pitches. He wasn't fatigued at all. And this was his last start of the year. And uh, your eyes tell you if they're taking good swings. Are they spitting on pitches? Nope. They were still chasing. Were they crushing pitches in the zone? (laughs) Nope. Two one-baggers. That was it. That's all he's given up. Plus all the strikeouts he had. They were swinging and missing. And the guys that he was coming up against were 0 for 6 with six punch outs, which you mentioned. You and and take I think that into account. I, I didn't watch a lot of the post game stuff, but Cody, Cody Bellinger, they, he was the one guy I flipped back. Um, I was watching a TV show. I flipped back to watch some of the post game stuff. <laughs> and he was on deck and he was like, or he was getting his bat and he's like, are they taking Snell out? He couldn't believe it. He couldn't believe it. All Their smiles. goal. As a Dodgers bolt, as a Dodgers team, was to hopefully get Snell out of the game by yep. the sixth inning. That was their goal. So guess what? It's the sixth inning, and he gives up a hit and whoosh, take him out. Like, wait a second, Can, 
Kevin Cash must have been like, you know, all right, guys, here's a gift for you. So he's going to take a lot of heat, and I'm sure he could, you know, I mean, you could give me a spreadsheet with all the analytics that he has on there, and that's fine. But the one time a year you throw that stuff out and and go with it is like you got your Cy Young Award winner who's got 10 punch outs, um, you know, taking the mound with giving up only one hit at the beginning of that inning, two hits. Mm-hmm. I mean, I just can't think of another scenario. We already brought up Oral Hershiser. We brought up Mad- Madison Bumgarner. Like they brought him oh, out man. for that World Series, like where he pitched game one, four, and then six innings in game seven. It's like, dude. Like, lose the game with Snell, and nobody gives you any heat whatsoever. If Snell gives up a two-run homer right after that, who cares? It's two to one. Right? Oh, how many times go. have we talked about on this podcast? If you're gonna, if you're going up against a guy and you need a strike, are you going to throw your third-best pitch or your first-best pitch? That's right. And that's what happened. They threw their third-best guy as opposed to staying with their number yeah. one and taking their chances. Are you telling me, like you said – I would rather lose with Blake Snell doing what he was doing than Nick Anderson coming in after taking Blake Snell out of not giving up. It, it was yeah. incredible. But right. I do have a couple of thoughts because I'm an analytic guy. People yeah. were trying to call me out on Twitter about, oh, I thought you were an analytic guy. I am. Yeah. I believe in them and I believe they help. But As here's do the thing. I. But you got to yeah. marry them, right? You gotta, let's have a combination, right? It's like a marriage. If you stick to your guns and your wife disagrees with you, guess where you're going? <laughs> right there's got to be some sort of yeah so there Adjustment you go or compromise right but but in, but you need to see what you're seeing but this thing for me is and the one thing I, I i think i've begun to understand about analytics is these numbers and everything that you're seeing all these algorithms you're putting together a team that you're trying to what win as many games throughout the course of a season as you can that's right that makes sense now when you get to the postseason guess what? Here's some analytics. Here's a lot of what I see. And we're going to try and use the analytics to get us in a good position. But if I see the player outperforming my analytics, I'm going with the player, especially in a pitching situation, because I guarantee you these exit physicals that all of these relief pitchers are going to have at the end of the season with the Dodgers and Rays, they're going to walk in and whatever shoulder they throw with, they're going to be like this. Yeah. And they're going to be like, hey, are you okay? You're going to go home and be okay? We're not going to have liability or uh, insurance? They're going to go, no, dude. I need four needles here. I need three in here. And, hey, go in there and give me like two MRIs on my elbow and shoulder because these guys got wrecked. Yeah. Yeah, they use them every single night. I just, I mean, this is going to be an issue that doesn't go away. And I, I told you before we started recording, I was hoping that our podcast would get away from the topics du jour. But it just, you know, it just doesn't make sense in the biggest game of your life. Um, and, yeah. and maybe that's what takes the experience. I mean, the Dodgers won eight straight National League West titles, and you know they had their three out of the uh, three out of the last four World Series they went to, and they didn't win any until this year. So, I mean, maybe you just got to take your bumps and bruises along the way. And when Kevin Cash is in this situation again, if he ever is, maybe he makes the right decision. If he's never there again, then you know, then you could really kick yourself. But I, I just think. You know, it's easy to kick a man when he's down, but I think this is something we'll talk about for a long time. And I feel like uh, if 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 everybody can see it, then it's got to be pretty obvious to him too. Oh man! And uh, I only caught a couple of the post game quotes from Cash, and he basically said, "I didn't want him to face that lineup the third time through," and that literally is the Tampa Bay way. Mm-hmm. Uh, I know that just from as a player, and I also know that as a broadcaster because you try and you know every team and has a personality. And that is the Tampa Bay way. They, they have pitchers, they have bullpens, and there's a reason they stock those guys is because they don't want them to go that third time through the lineup. But uh, th- there's uh, a question you asked earlier about the communication between front office and manager coaching staff. Yeah. And in watching Dave Roberts manage that game last night, I think you get the impression or maybe the idea that there's a map. And I think that might be the best way to say it because I think they can't, they list 27 outs and AJ Hinch, you know, in talking to him, he's even counted games backwards. It was a luxury when he had uh, Justin Verlander and Garrett Cole, because those guys are going seven innings. So you're, th- you're saying, okay, how do I cover six outs? <laughs> Which is pretty easy right. if you it's have your best nice. guys healthy. You know? right. yeah. But I guarantee you when, you know, the front office of the Dodgers talks with Dave Roberts and the pitching coach, there's a lit uh, Mark Pryor, they have a list of 27 outs and they go and they start putting guys in slots. Mm-hmm. Who's going to get these outs and they have the lineup. So they're trying to match up who they get. So my imagination is telling me that they have a map 
and this is the map, the progression. Now, if a guy falters, they're going to have a guy getting loose, backing him up to come in and insert if you need to take that guy out. But in this day and age, also with facing the three batter minimum, you can do a little bit more of an interesting job of mapping those guys out because you know you guaranteed have to have them for three. So that is maybe just a brief little glimpse or insight into kind of that relationship between front office and manager and in-game. So they help them map it out at the beginning, but yeah. then that, but again, this in, is in like game changes. Yeah. Yeah. When the games change that, that's what I'm saying. So <laughs> use your ojos. Yes, seriously. Yeah. Use los ojos. <laughs> si. um, I just think that's, that's, the, that's what we're talking about here. Right. Cause I, the roadmap makes sense. And we, we, I think we talked about this a few podcasts ago when you had um, the Royals <clears throat> bullpen that one year, you, all you had to do was get to the, fifth inning you know or sixth inning yeah because you just needed nine outs right so you would just have wade davis come in and the other two guys behind him yeah those guys just six or the seventh eighth ninth were taken care of so you just had to get those first six innings taken care of and then the last nine outs are taken um are handled and so each team uses that now these games are more important don't get me wrong than the regular 162 game season or in this case 60 for this year Mm -hmm. but it shouldn't um, paralysis by analysis, right? It shouldn't blind your, like blind your vision. I mean, it just, I just think they used to say this about scouting, right? Like everybody can see the first round pick, right? That, that old joke, like, Hey, you know, this guy punched out 26 guys in a high school game or punched out all 27 guys and he gave up one hit. And everyone's like, Oh, this guy's fantastic. Well, yeah. Who's the guy that got the hit, right? That's the, that's what the good scout says because wow, one guy put the bat on the ball and it's this guy. So I think that's the same thing. Grandma could tell you that Blake Snell shouldn't come out of the game. And if grandma can tell you that you shouldn't come out of the game, then, you know, then you're overthinking it and you've, you've, you've made a mistake. And I, you know, this is not an indictment of Kevin Cash specifically, but whatever the system is, whatever the roadmap is. And like I said, Dave Roberts made his mistakes. Joe Madden, you know, gosh, he, he was trying to throw a Chapman arm off when the Cubs were kind of in the, Uh, when when they were in the hunt so this is not an indictment specifically on him but it does seem I don't know maybe you know until don't judge a man until you walk a mile in his shoes I mean I you know Dave Roberts we both know Um, I don't know Kevin Cash very well but you know these are good baseball guys they know what's going on it just seems like when those games become more uh, I don't know valuable that they stick to their philosophy regardless and it seems like like you said a blind squirrel finds a nut every once in a while, you know, Dave Tuttle threw some good games in his life. I mean, when you're, when you're a certain type of pitcher, you still have those moments, right? A certain type of hitter, like Mm -hmm. you'll find your moment. If, if Blake Snell is throwing a ball that nobody can see and hit, this might be his night. Like, you know, the, the, all the plans should go out the window. Yeah. Let's run with it. (laughs) Let's run with it. Right. Like that should have been after the first two innings of that game, Cash should have been looking at that plan and gone, all right, we got to make a new plan because these dudes, they can't see the ball. And I just think that's where, that's where, that's where we're being critical. And I think it's fair. Oh, it's 100% fair. And I hope it brings up some ideas that maybe uh, others haven't thought about. And I hope it stirs the pot when you go to work and talk to whoever, if you're listening to this podcast, have these conversations because I, you know, it has to be had. You can't say that that is the end all be all way because we saw it, it, it. It's ended in losses or lack of performance more than it's, than it's helped it, especially in the playoffs. I mean, during the regular season, you can get away with this stuff because you've yeah. got you know 15 other starts to look forward to to make up for some of the numbers or make up and make up the wins. In a do or die situation, it's ride or die with that guy who's dealing, and that's what uh, should have happened with Blake Snell. But instead, he came out of the game before one Justin Turner. <laughs> Uh, so after five and a third, Blake Snell comes out, Dodgers come back and announce victory. But it was, something curious happened around that seventh or eighth inning when Justin Turner was no longer the third baseman for the Los Angeles Dodgers. And the Dodgers go on to win. We see the celebration and uh, we see Justin Turner out there with a mask on and celebrating. And eventually uh, we find out he's tested positive for a COVID test. Now, the whole story according to Jeff Passan, is the initial test came back inconclusive. And the reason that's important is because guess what happens to a guy who tests comes back inconclusive during the regular season in 2020? The game is over. You cancel it and we reschedule it. So an inconclusive test is assumed positive to keep Mm. everybody safe. 
That did hmm. not happen last night. Instead, Why, Jeff? Why do you think that happened? <laughs> Rob Manfred. <laughs> exactly. Baseball Major money. Baseball. Dollars. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, should we just need that cha-ching sign yeah. in the background. There's an asterisk, not by the season, not by that. But there's an asterisk that says, unless it's game seven or game six of the World Series, <laughs> inconclusive means just play him until uh, Yeah, we'll until just play until we figure it out. So eventually <laughs> they did find out it was positive. Then they took him out of the game, isolated him in a doctor's office underneath somewhere. And the Dodgers went on to win the World Series. And I don't know if you saw this, but the tweet is still up from Justin Turner. He said, hey, thanks for a great season. It was a blast. Wish I could celebrate with my boys. Wait, if you t- if you I touch saw, on that, wait. <laughs> if you go on that thread and you start to see pictures of him, you're like, "Well, that was an interesting tweet." <laughs> he was on yeah, the field. He was on the field. Now you mentioned the optics. Like I said, I mean, I I it's, yeah, I'm sympathetic. I mean, you said that you know the way the 24 hour media cycle is or news cycle. I mean, they're going to latch onto the negative and it's going to take away from the positive of winning. I know. Well, he was positive. We already determined. Yeah, we're that, positive. So. He was positive. That, yeah. that had a negative um, optic. But, but, but you're absolutely right. I, I just think I, it would have been really hard. I mean, you were in that situation in 2005. You just didn't have COVID. But uh, it would be really hard to pull me away from a celebration like that. That's kind of like eight to you know six to eight years in the making, and these are your guys, and you were out on the field for seven of those innings anyway. Mm-hmm. Um, but. Uh, you yeah, know, I'm not saying what he's going back I, out there to make sure. Well, exactly. I'm not <laughs> saying what he did is right. I'm just saying. No, you can um, understand. I can yeah, totally like, understand dude, it. You know, I don't know. It, I, I, I'm at a loss for words. I mean, I, I just, I don't want to vilify the guy. I, I think you mentioned a couple of things and maybe I'll mention it again, that there's a, a way he could have handled it better, but it would have been really difficult to keep me off that field. Um, yeah. I might've worn a mask or I, I might've done something a little differently that way, but dude, I, I mean, this is a long time coming and they won the world championship and he's got, you know, I, I'm very yeah. sympathetic or empathetic with his plight and wanting to be out there. What's he going to yeah. do? Stay in the doctor's we, office no, down there? No, like, that's the thing is I think, <laughs> I think the, I think, you know, we're, we're, we all understand why he went out there, even mm-hmm. as extreme as this situation is. Uh, and you know, you're going to get the people who think COVID is a, is a fluke and just a part of the flu, or you're going to get the people who think that everybody's going to die from it. So, I mean, I don't feel like there's anybody really in between, but you know, in this day and age where the instant reaction to the optic is going to be horrifically negative, it's overshadowing what Clayton Kershaw accomplished. It's overshadowing how valuable Mookie Betts is. It's overshadowing, uh, Corey Seager winning the MVP, And now we're talking about Justin Turner, but the fact of the matter is, and I brought this up off air before we came on. I'm like, Hey dude, just kind of chill out in your locker for a little bit and wait for the boys to bring the party inside. And then you can have a little bit of that enjoyment, but I know it was all being held outside and uh, he got in on it. Um, I think that it is interesting that the one picture we constantly see is him sitting in front of the team, no mask, next to his manager and I love Dave Roberts and this is public knowledge. He's a cancer survivor, man. Yeah. This is incredibly weird and odd to me. Um, I wonder, do you, is anybody going to, if somebody contracts this, can you sue him? Can you sue major league baseball? I mean, let's just hope what if I'm a Tampa it, Bay Ray. Yeah. What if I'm, what if I was, what if Ooh. I got to third base and I was next to Justin Turner and all of a sudden I show up positive. What yeah. if the entire team shows up positive tomorrow? I mean, this is, yeah. it's a bad situation, man. Boy. I mean, you actually, you, you've kind of opened my eyes a little bit. I mean, it, it, they didn't handle it very well at all. And I think obviously we talked about the revenue for game six of the world series or game seven. It would have been interesting if the race, if the race had won last night and Justin Turner is not in the lineup tonight, that's the way that's yeah. I mean, that's the big one, right? Hey, let's get after it tonight. I just think, wow. I mean, anyway, so many scenarios, but I agree with you. Yeah. I mean, you know, immunocompromised, like cancer survivor, you have these other issues going on. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, I, it's, it's unfortunate. I mean, what else do you expect in the year 2020 for our, you know, for our world series? Like there's something there. I mean, that's right. That's the truth. Let me, let me transition. This is sort of what'll Tuttle say. Let me transition so that we can get kind of a little, like a, 
I mean, just no, a little done. away from the, from you the ride, negativity. I'm going to ride your coattails right now. Let's go. Right. Tuttle's so show. This, is, this is fantastic. And I only saw it on a tweet, but Vin Scully, I don't know if you are aware of this, but Vin Scully wrote um, a cool thing after game four of the World Series. And I mean, if anybody doubts, I'm not a Dodger fan at all, as everybody knows, I'm a Giants fan. But if anybody doubts the class and humility and, and, <laughs> and grace of Vin Scully, um, this is what people on Twitter need to be reading more of. Um, Vin Scully just wrote a short essay and um, about uh, watching game four uh, with Brett Phillips. And it was, it was fantastic. But he, I mean, basically he said, watching Brett Phillips like fly around the outfield with his teammates chasing him. Like a 10 year old man. Is exactly the feeling and exactly <laughs> what we want in baseball. That's exactly yes. what. And I love that it came from Vin Scully, a lifetime Dodger, right? Do we, do we, are we proud of the fact that Vin Scully and Tommy Lasorda have been there for seven years? An arbiter years? of baseball. I mean, he's an ambassador, you know, yeah. for him to recognize the enjoyment is beautiful. Well, I mean, look at Twitter now. I mean, we happen to be an Astros heavy podcast. My, my, uh, my boss at work is a huge Dodger fan and he talks negatively about the Astros all the time. Like, you know, fan short for fanatic. It's like, mm -hmm. these people are just, Oh yeah, I hate them. And I don't, and Vin Scully, the lifelong Dodger, and like you said, the graceful words, talking about watching the Dodgers lose that game in the bottom of the ninth in the wackiest of ways with an error and the, <laughs> the broken bat hit. And Brett Phillips hasn't had an at-bat the whole World Series. But watching him fly around the outfield with his arms out and his teammates chasing me, he said, that's exactly what everybody should take a snapshot of when they're thinking about baseball and playing, you know, playing this, um, this game since your youth. And I just thought, what a, what a, I mean, here's Vin Scully who could just mm -hmm. be throwing stuff like most fans, Dodger fans, like throwing stuff against the TV or around the room. <laughs> and he's sitting there going, this was a fantastic baseball game. And I think that just, that shows a lot of class, but I think we could all learn from that because that's why we watch baseball. That's why we mm -hmm. have this podcast. We enjoy those pieces. Um, I'm sure for you being an Astros broadcaster or some teams that you like or hate, you know, watching a team beat the Astros, like the Rays did, you know, you're not super excited about watching the Rays. Um, but you're, you know, you're always level-headed and practical about it in the sense that, you know, that, you know, they had the best record in the American league and, you know, their pitching was great and all of those things that, that got them there, but to take it a step further and really understand that, man, what a fantastic game we just watched. Mm -hmm. Um, I don't know. I was really touched by that. And I, I don't know if you saw the, the piece that Vin Scully shared, but, uh, really I'm fantastic. I'm going to look at it now. I, I haven't seen it. I'm going to, I'm going to go yeah. check it out. Um, and the reason you enjoyed that and the reason you related to what Vin Scully was saying is because you are a 12-year-old at heart. And that, right. that is what baseball is about. And I hate to belabor the point, but this is, this is World Series season. So the first question I got is, how did it feel when you hit the home run in 05? And my first comment was, it reminded me of being in the backyard with my brother. Yeah. I've been in this scenario 510 times facing 510 different pitchers because every boy's fantasy is to do something at the at the at the top of their sport and yeah. to go out there and be elated. And it kind of goes to the Justin Turner thing too. You want to celebrate, you want to, to recognize your achievement and how hard you work to get there. But at the same time, something internally when you're playing the game of baseball brings out that childhood uh, joy that, that kind of comes out. So I appreciate the fact that a, a lifelong objective Dodger fan and Vin Scully was able to bring that out. And another interesting little tidbit is when at the end of my career, it got hard to stay on the field. The game got harder because I was getting worse. Everybody was getting better. But at the same time, the love for the game had started to vanish a little bit. And that's when I knew I was done. Two years into the booth, so one of a peer of mine said, hey, are you enjoying your job? You know, kind of like they're at the end of their career trying to decide what to do. And I said, dude, it's funny you should ask that because you know what? I love the game again. And there's something about sitting in the booth, watching these guys play their asses off, uh, win, lose, draw, whatever's going on, the pain of the game, you still appreciate how much fun it was to play the game. And the, and the, the peer was Vin Scully. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> <laughs> I wish. Um, no. Hey, how are you liking uh, being in the booth? No, I, I do have I'm... one caveat to what you said, which is about at the top of your sport. I mean, it doesn't matter. I mean, it does because boy, what you did was fantastic. But as a, as a boy, when you're in the, in the yard playing wiffle ball and the hedges are the home run and you're like, all right, bottom Tank of the ninth, one. you know, and your buddy's like, that's that feeling 
is almost the same feeling like whether you're at the pinnacle of your sport it's like that's what you're trying to do i remember and i've touched on this before i mean even in the minor leagues we won some championships it's not the world championship but man <laughs> you beat all these other guys yeah, that are trying to fun. that are yeah. trying for that tra- so that feeling it, as you said it's inescapable indescribable and as you said, maybe because Vince Scully's 93, but that perspective that he brings, just fantastic. You got to love this game. Yes. And it's moments like that, which was Vince Scully's point, that bring you back to why you're watching this game, why you love this game. And I wanted to bring that up in what will Tuttle say, mainly to, um, I don't know, we got to diffuse a little bit about the Justin Turner thing. I mean, there could be some darker moments uh, coming, like you said, if people catch, you know, catch a little heat and then yeah, catch I uh, COVID. Yeah, I pray but, this is the end of it. Yeah, but, but um but man, what a, what a really nice perspective. And, you know, it was kind of a fun baseball season, the 60 games, it kind of, you know, it began, there was no middle and then it ended and the Dodgers <laughs> won and you're like, all right, what happened? But, you know, I yeah. mean, we'll look forward to next year. Uh, everybody keeps saying like next year is going to be much different, but if, uh, if COVID keeps progressing and, and things keep progressing, maybe, uh, maybe it'll be uh, next year might be a little more like this year, maybe not in terms of tragedy and, and uh, in terms of social distancing, but it may it may not just start in February like we all want it to. Yeah, you know what? It's actually interesting that you do say that. I hope that next year, no matter what happens, I think having gone through everything that we have gone through, both as a Bleacher Blums family or as individuals in whatever part of the world we're in, I hope that you know. I hope that it turns into uh, an appreciation for things when they do yeah. start to return a little bit and we get to be who we want to be and be around who we want to be and see what we want to see. And I hope it turns into a little bit more of an appreciation. I think that would be, a, that would be a probably pretty cool side effect. Yeah. That's a great point. Anyway, that's all I got for what'll Tuttle say. Do we have a blast here, Blummer? I think you, uh, you mentioned some, we touched a little bit on fantasy football, but I think you're going to go away from that. Yeah. And you know what? I'm kind of debating it, to be honest with you, because you brought up the joy of baseball. And what I wrote down was not exactly the joy of baseball, because this is something that encompasses us on and off the field. So I'm, you know what? Calling up Omaha, Omaha, (laughs) Omaha, blue 42. Audible. Audible. Okay. All right. (laughs) Audible. We're not, I'm going to talk about this some other time, but I have it written down. It's about the business of sport and a lot of the pain that is going through organizations now that the season is over and the reality of having to maybe make some adjustments moving forward. I'll save that for a different podcast. Let's just go ahead and blast away. Tuttle, I lost. I had. I, I could make up excuses of bye weeks. I could make up excuses of bad management because if there was one player I would put in quarterback position, that would have been the points I would have needed Ooh, to make up to that was get like, you. That was like a one point difference, by the way. Dude, I did the math. Like, if you did you see that? Your, yeah. If so I put I started, him in and subtracted the seventeen from the yes. guy you had in there, you would have won by a point. So guess what? So I had. I Who's did the real I, brains behind the GM. I yeah. Know. Right. <laughs> Damn it, the record. <laughs> but I, I am now five and two instead of six and one. And the problem was, I mean, I did the best I could with the waiver transactions. I, I'm I'm actually uh, harnessing the, the spirit of the late Kevin Towers, who was nicknamed the gunslinger because he'd go out and make trades and waiver pickups at the drop of a hat. And that's basically, I think I've made like 10 in the last two weeks just in desperation to fill a roster. And I almost did good enough last week, but I started Tannehill. I had... I got sucked into the Tennessee Titan lore of they're undefeated and they're going into Pittsburgh or they're playing Pittsburgh at home and they're going to do it, man. It didn't work. Tannehill did good, but he didn't do good enough because guess who was on my bench Herbert for the chargers who went out there and threw 400 plus yards and three TD three or four TDs and lit it up and would have been the difference in our matchup. But he that's true. Bench. That's true. I mean, here's a thing that you didn't share when you lost Dak Prescott, you're not the only one that lost him on your fantasy team. But you lost, uh, you know, you lost that kind of that continuity or that the yeah. glue that holds your team together. It felt so, that way. Yeah. And anytime you're like scrapping, like trying to ch- waiver wire and mix and match, and I'm doing it with my defense and kicker. But when you start doing it with your quarterback, like I don't think Tannehill was a bad pick. I had Aaron Rodgers through four touchdown passes. He threw for 300 yards <laughs> and he had like 22 points or 24 points. Tannehill had like 18 points. Like he, you know, he threw two touchdowns. He led them back. He threw here. I mean, like he, you know, he was above average for the week. Um, it's just that Justin Herbert obviously had an, a, you know, a crazy game. 
And um, and now I think we're starting to see that he's he's going to be a pretty good quarterback. I mean, in four. That or would five be a starts, fun conversation to have maybe after next week because I, I mean because we talk about it all the time. When when is a when do you you know when is a guy who he is? Yeah. Because this is good three or four starts now with Herbert where you're going, damn, mm-hmm. bro, this guy yeah. can chuck it 65 yards, no problem, and guys are making plays for him. Yeah, I mean, you know this. I mean, some guys have that. I felt like that my junior year in college, like you get this wave and this confidence and you ride it. I mean, look at somebody like Colin Kaepernick. I mean, he had a really nice yeah. playoff season he, that half a year. And then he had a really good season after that. And then he fell off the map and that wasn't because he was kneeling. He just wasn't the same guy. They started game planning. Lamar Jackson had a fantastic rookie year. Well, they left him on the bench for a while and then he kind of came in and then they game planned or they, uh, I'm sorry, they didn't game plan. They, prepped him to be their starting quarterback the year after. So he kind of had a little audition, but they had a whole off season to kind of implement stuff. He's been fantastic. Um, You know, so, but guys like Colin Kaepernick or guys that have three or four starts and they're pretty good. Dak Prescott's another guy who replaced Romo. And then he had a really good, you know, rookie season. And then after that, they were like, ah, is it Dak? Is it not? And I think we found that he's a good quarterback, but it's really hard to, and and it's hard on Herbert too, right? Do we anoint him now? All right. You're the, the, you know, the second coming of, it's just not, it's not the way to do it. But I mean, what everybody's seen and what people at Oregon saw for a couple of years is I always like the level-headed guy and the guy that he turned down going into the draft. He went back to Oregon to mm-hmm. win a Pac-12 championship. It didn't work out for him, but I think those are the kind of guys like, um, you know, you can just see that he's, he's going to be something special. Yeah, our guy Jeff Schwartz actually uh, had we had him on the podcast earlier in the year. If you go back and watch that, he was on the Herbert train early on, and he's actually yes. if you follow him on Twitter, he's actually been like, "Told you, told you." He's been I mean, vocal about the Herbert train. Yeah, he has and been so proud of him. Hopefully, he understands that the reason people are kind of giving him the like, mm, you know, is because he's a homer, right? He's a duck, also. <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, there is a little like, "Hey, we're going to take what you say with a grain of salt." I mean, maybe you saw it, maybe you saw it on film. But let's, you know, let's look at an unbiased resource as opposed to a biased resource before we all, you know, dive in. Yep. That's going to do it. I just got berated on my own blast because I, because I lost. But uh, we'll have to get back if we have another matchup and see how this season ends up. Maybe we face each other in the playoffs, buddy. And Ooh, that'd be great. I got to get back there. to full Say health. You're five, you're five and two. I'm three and four. Yeah, but, this may um, be the turning point in your season, beating the bangers. I hope so. And now we can call it, instead of Blum's Blast, maybe Blum gets blasted or something like that. I don't know. We'll have, <laughs> that to, would work. We'll have to figure it out. That would definitely work. So that's going to do it for Bleacher Blum's. Again, go to uh, any, uh, you know, go to iTunes, go to Spotify, iHeart, rate, review, subscribe, tell your friends about it. The things have been getting better. Uh, we have been doing a very good job, I feel like, and I know that the fans have been feeling the same way because the downloads have been cruising. Views on the Social Notion Network have been fantastic. I'm going to leave everybody before I throw it to Tuttle for a little bit of a, a, a going away on this Bleacher Blums like we normally do is I want to give you some important dates. <sighs> This Friday, the owners vote to approve the sale of the Mets. They sold for two and a half billion dollars. And then oh, maybe maybe we should buy a sports team. Let's yeah, some, let's get a group let's, together. Let's put our nickels. We can together. do better than a Rod. <laughs> well, I mean, no. he, is yeah, that really we, saying something? No, that. But I mean, <laughs> you know, I don't know if we can get that kind of cash. But man, it's a good investment. Yeah, it could be. It really could be. And that may parlay into what I have uh, to say uh, maybe next week when we're a little little more, uh, less uh, joyous and maybe trying to look for subjects to talk about. But this is the big one for Astro fans and all baseball fans. World Series is over. So November 1st, mark your calendars at 5.01 p.m. Free agency begins. Uh, Josh Reddick. Do the Astros have any guys that are going to be free agents, might I ask? <laughs> uh, they got a couple of big ones. Michael Brantley, George Springer, and Josh Reddick are going to be out there, and uh, they will be available. But the interesting thing is, is the deadline for qualifying offers is at 5 p.m. on November 1st. So there will be some qualifying offers being thrown out there. I would imagine they throw uh, one or b- maybe both at George Springer and uh, Michael Brantley. I don't believe that they will offer one to Josh Reddick. I think they will let him go via free agency because of Kyle Tucker and the, the reemergence of Jordan. Hopefully next year, we saw a video of him running, but those mm. are the dates. November 1st, 5.01 PM free agency starts. And that's when we start checking out the hot stove. Tuttle, 
Take us home, right. bro. Well, give me your uh, Springer and Brantley. What do you got? One or both or none? Neither? Like, what are we flipping a coin? Just odds. You, say you don't goodbye. have to. Oh, uh, 49-51 that they'll stay. 49% they stay. Oh, okay. 51% they won't. For both? Yeah. Oh, okay. I didn't know they were a package deal. I know they changed yeah. the tire together or whatever that stupid thing no, is. No, they're but... a package deal, man. They're, they are the oh. pet boys. All right. Are they going to go to the same team then? I don't know. I, oh, okay. I, that's what I'm really curious to see. Cause I mean, there's a lot of things and we'll talk about this later because I've okay. got some conspiracy theories as far as free agency and things like that, because you know, who mm -hmm. else is a free agent now that the season is over? Oh yeah. The old manager and the old GM, which yep. I don't and know AJ relevant, Hinge, but... Alex Cora and Jeff Luno are now free agents if they could find a way back into the game. So that may have a little bit to do with free agency also. Right. Uh, and there are a couple of spots open with the white Sox and red Sox. just saying. Oh, interesting. Mm -hmm. All right. Well, Blummer, I, that's a great tease. Um, I'll take us home. Like I said, you can get us anywhere. Spotify, iTunes, iHeartRadio, all those places. Bleacherblums.com, Social Noster Network. That's where you're watching this. Um, shout out to first responders, uh, emergency responders, military. Uh, you may or may not know Irvine, uh, basically East Irvine. That's okay. Fire. Yeah, we're fine. We're south, but um, I think they evacuated like sixty to 90,000 yeah, people between Yorba Linda where your yeah. Esposa is from, your Belinda and um, Irvine, right? That toll road nexus, 241-133 was just on fire, but yeah, uh, no homes. Hot spot. No homes burned. So uh, again, first responders, emergency responders, healthcare workers, all those folks. Um, I bet they would have some comments about Justin Turner's mask wearing uh, near an immunocompromised, but uh, we thank thankful for you. That's right, we're grateful for you. And um, as it says on the bleacherblums.com website, um and our t-shirts and some of our other sh stuff we encourage you folks to get after it and believe it believe it <laughs>